0: Deep in the heart of Central Texas, it's the Best of the Outdoors podcast, brought to you by Texas Fish and Game Magazine, the voice of the Texas Outdoor Nation. I'm your humble host, Dustin Vaughn Warnke, the Outdoor Success Guy, so excited that you have taken the opportunity to download the show, stream it online, however you're listening. Thank you guys so much for doing so. Back with another episode. Last episode, it was a gear review, kind of rundown of stuff that I've been using in the field and on the water. And uh, this one we're gonna get with Jeff Stewart who I interviewed, I think it was last year after Hurricane Harvey uh, in 2017 uh, in the fall, early fall, uh, September time frame or so. So it's been about a year since he's been on uh, now that we're in August and September's just right down the road. So um, just wanted to bring you some hope and inspiration in the Texas outdoor lifestyle and beyond and um, I just got a lot of fun things going on here. Uh, my online course is available to you for uh, a special price of $97. If you want to learn how to be successful in the outdoor industry, if you're trying to be a pro staff, if you're trying to start a business—I mean, anything like that—in the outdoors, uh, and you want to check out how I do what I do in the outdoors, I teach a whole course on that in about five to six hours. And uh, that course is available through dustinsprojects.com. If you find me in social media, you will find that I've got some posts going on for giving away my new ebook for free, just for joining my mailing list. And you can do so by just going to dustinsprojects.com. Actually, find me in social media. Facebook's where I'm doing most of the... um, the post uh, that have to do with the free ebook, but I'm also on LinkedIn and Insta and so on and so forth. So uh, the ebook is free for a limited time. Just sign up for my email list so I can keep you up to date on what I'm doing personally, and um, that does not cost you anything. It's uh, 36 pages, so it's not a very long read. Uh, it's a lot of fun, short, fun read, and that's achieving success in the outdoor industry. My new ebook, and uh, that is for sale or you can download it for free just by joining our email list and. Um, Really appreciate you guys checking us out and uh, really just happy to be here in the summer and trying to stay cool in the middle of the heat. Uh, Lots of triple-digit days here in Texas, and uh, I'm just constantly grinding through and uh, and trying to find good content for you guys. So what I wanted to do is have a spirited conversation today, and I had to bring Jeff Stewart because this guy can talk on just about anything with the outdoors, uh, especially when it comes to um hogs and hog hunting he's he's uh indeed part of the texas hog hunters association and uh we'll be running this podcast in their group here recently or you know in the, in the near future when this releases uh so if you're listening there thank you guys so much for doing so and uh just a lot of fun i wanted to also recommend you guys subscribe to our newsletter fishgame.com subscribe to our magazine it is uh very low cost to do so in the digital format or the print format um, and that's Texas Fishing Game at fishgame.com. You can just check out our uh, social media stuff, what we're doing on Facebook. We've got about 60,000 followers there. And we also have a wide variety of, uh, of newsletter content coming out three days a week uh, through our blog at fishgame.com. And you can also subscribe to the magazine from fishgame.com. Anyway, without further ado, here's my interview with Mr. Jeff Stewart. One of our Texas fishing game contributors for our magazine, print magazine, as well as our blog uh, at fishgame.com, and um, basically uh, just a fantastic all-around outdoorsman and Second Amendment supporter, and just fun guy to talk to. Uh, you can check out his Facebook page Alpha Dog Blades, and Alpha Dog is all one word. Um, you can check out all the knives that he makes. He stayed up the other night, I think, until you know all night uh, working on blades and making knives and stuff and uh, to order, or whatever the case may be. But he makes knives out are really, really cool stuff. So anyway, I'm excited to have him back on. Uh, please enjoy our interview, and thank you guys so much for listening. Here we go. Joining me on the phone, Mr. Jeff Stewart, uh, Crypto Hulk Stewart. Am I saying that right, Jeff Crypto Hulk Stewart? Yeah, all right. Oh, goodness. That's you, wow So I follow you a lot on Facebook And you sell uh, custom homemade knives On your Facebook page And I'll let P- let you uh, give a shout out of that At the end of the show And um, You know, it's summertime We're we're moving into the start of school um, There are hogs to be hunted There's ARs to be built There's bow fishing stuff going on I mean, uh, what, what kind of stuff have you been up to lately, Jeff?
1: Biggest thing I've been up to lately Building AR-15s for people uh, built a couple of chassis rifles. If mm-hmm. people don't know what chassis rifles are, um, it's the latest craze of ultralight, skeletonized, uh, tactical stocks on bolt action rifles. Yes. Uh, Free float, very accurate. Um, just, I just love them. They're uh, like
0: performance guns in a way, right, Jeff? Is that the best way to explain that?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's basically. Basically, uh, chassis guns. Like I said, they're high performance guns. It's kind of like taking uh, your dad's old uh, Ford pickup and, you know, dropping a some Krager SSTs on it and uh, <laughs> putting a Holley seven fifty, you know, double pump of carbs sitting right. on top of it or something like that. You know, I mean, you, you put a really high quality optic on this. It's free floated barrel. Um, you smooth up that action. the, the stock is uh, more precision. you can add weight to these stocks. Sure. you can balance these stocks. you can just do so much with uh, these stocks above and beyond uh, your factory uh, synthetic or wooden stock. yeah, and you can really customize the thing and just make it whatever you want. You know, and there's nothing wrong with the factory stocks. Don't, don't, don't. You know, get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not saying you know. Oh, you got to change something. Sure. The fact a, a, a dead hog or a dead deer is just as dead with the factory stock as it is with a custom stock. But you know, it allows the uh, the hunter or the shooter to really, you know, make their gun their own. Sure. And. Um, customize it just like your cars or just like yeah. your full wheels or anything else. You get to customize this thing and you get to make it yours. Right. And when you bring it out at, at, you know, a shooting competition or in the deer camp or whatever, when you bring it out and people are like, wow, you know, that that's pretty awesome. Same thing like with our AR 15s you know, we're able to, to, you know, put really awesome, you know, skeletonized things on there sure. or, uh, co Cerak- uh or you know just whatever you want to do to these to just make them yours make them personal and and you know it really especially if you got kids and you're getting kids into the outdoors sure. you know these kids today you know they they're into something a little more flashy you know instead of uh, playing a video game or something you break out a a really tricked out AR and all of a sudden, instead of shooting something on the TV, they want to go out into the uh, range and pull the trigger on some real ammo and learn some real gun safety and get that quality time between parent and child that you don't get on the video game system.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and you know then the neat thing about what you do with chassis rifles and ARs is there's so many things customizable, personalized things that you can do with guns these days. But the cool thing about all that is really with 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 both sets of, of guns, what you're able to do of rifles is basically you're able to um, you know make the ring out the best performance from each one of them. Is that right?
1: Exactly. I've taken rifles that people have brought to me and said, man, you know. At 100 yards, the best I can get out of this gun is, you know, a three-inch group. Right. And I'm going, wow, I I literally can take a gun that someone has bought, one of your economy platform guns uh, that people buy, they bring them to me. It's a, you know, $250, $300 gun. And I I, I will guarantee you, I can't guarantee you a one-minute-of-angle Gun, but I guarantee you that I can tighten that bad boy up to where you can kill anything you want to out to 250, 300 sure. yards if you have the skills to do that. Right, right, the right handle, right. the scope, sure. uh, you know, it said free-floating that barrel and sure. making sure that there's not pressure in different places. Um, sometimes it's as much as, you know, running a few hundred patches up and down a barrel uh, I've seen rifles that have come in to me that that you know during the uh, rifling process they left burrs. Yeah, I've seen in, that in too. Barrel. As a matter of fact, yeah,
0: the, the, during the manufacturing process. Yep, exactly.
1: That's why I tell you know a lot of people you know if you buy a gun and you go sight it in and you shoot five six shells out of it and, and cartridges and you get it, oh man, I'm I'm dead on. Yep. If you go out there next week and you shoot at a deer and you and you can't hit that deer and you're going man, somebody dropped my gun or I bumped my gun, not necessarily. You haven't fired enough ammunition through this gun to break the barrel in. You have not uh, shot it enough. If there are burrs in there to right. kind of smooth that up, do anything. So you know I, I try to tell everybody if they bring me a brand new gun you know bring me a minimum of 40 50 rounds right, of ammunition
0: right to really break it in yeah sure i get that oh that's fantastic and, and with these
2: you
1: know the chassis guns and the ars you're just able to do so much more with them the, the most of the time your triggers are especially with an ar it's just a drop in and yep. trigger you you can go to a two four six eight whatever pound trigger from a twelve pound factory trigger um in a matter of of minutes and people are like, well you know what's the big deal I've killed a lot of deer with my factory trigger and you know but the thing is if you if if you shot a heavy trigger forever, you're probably used to it you've killed deer granted i mean i've I've killed lots of deer with You know, shotguns and everything else that had heavy triggers really wasn't that big a deal. But whenever I got into gunsmithing and I was able to take my old uh, Remington 700 and I was able to drop a new trigger in there because those 700s were notorious about going off either that or you have a Remington moment, as it's called in the military, (laughs) where you pull it and nothing happens. Yeah. Um, and you're just sitting there, uh, what do you do? <laughs> what
0: happened? Yeah. So,
1: drop, drop a new trigger in there, and all of a sudden you're able to customize it and get a. You know, I'm the kind of guy I, I like about a two pound trigger. Yeah. Right. Uh, maybe dangerous for some people, but me, the level of skill that I have, about two pounds is what I like. Sure. And I can take a gun that, that just honestly hasn't got a whole lot of accuracy in it. And just by simply changing out the trigger, tighten that group up sometimes as much as a half an inch. Sure.
0: Now, and there, there are two, that two trigger companies that come to mind that I've had personal experience with, and that's CMC triggers. who just ran with us in the August issue of Texas fishing game and, uh, and, and ran mm-hmm. ad with us and, and then Timney triggers. And I was at shot show, uh, this year, uh, testing out some of the Timney AR triggers, which are, you know, just incredibly, I mean, smooth and light and, and, and nimble and just, I mean, a joy to shoot. So are you seeing the same kind of things?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah, I just uh I just actually traded one of my uh custom knives, uh, real knife skinning knives. Uh-huh. Uh the paid for uh, a custom trigger for one of my ARs from a gentleman and it was uh one of the uh CMNGs, I think is what Okay. It was.
0: Okay. Cool.
1: And, and um I have not had a chance to drop it in yet but that is going to happen here really quick because I'm in the process of building a new, um, actually building a pistol, uh, AR-15. Cool. Which is, is, I'm going to use it a lot. Um, People say, why would you want a pistol AR-15? You know, why in the world? Well, one, I can have a 10-inch barrel. Right. and And a 300 blackout. And a 300 blackout performs relatively well out yes. of a 10, 12 inch a barrel. shorter barrel, right? Exactly. Because it was de- actually designed for a 14 inch barrel, Um the actual cartridge was only designed. To, I mean, it achieves every, burns every bit of powder, and achieves all the velocity it's going to get in in 14 inches or less. Yeah, I saw so, You know, I I can have something that I can carry on my ATV that is not taking up a lot of room. That if I'm running traps or I'm doing things and I've got gear on my four wheeler, um, I'm able to have a rifle and have that precision of a rifle. Now I have 44 mag pistols, 37 mags. I mean, I've got plenty of pistols and I and I shoot them. Fairly well, but I really have noticed on some of these hogs, you're going through a pasture, and the hogs pop up. Yep,
0: you got to be quick. Call. You got to be quick, yeah.
1: Not only you have to be quick, but, you know, I, I've got 30 rounds, 20, 30 rounds in my mag at my disposal. Yep. And I'm capable of having a red dot sights or an ACOG or... Um, even something with like a 1 to 5 power, sure. so I could crank it up to 5 power if I need to. Yep. You're just so much more versatile with you have a, a, a rifle-calibered AR-type pistol. And, and people say, oh, there's no use. Who needs one of those things? <laughs> you know, and, and I, I tell them, well, first off, you know, my Second Amendment right is, has nothing to do with me needing a gun for hunting. Right. <laughs> it, but if you're asking me what do I need it for, My just about every one of my guns is one of two things. It is either a tool that I use in getting rid of hogs or it is a tool I use in hunting deer, rabbit, squirrels. You, know, you name sure. it, it's a tool. Or it is a tool that I use to go to the range and just shoot as many Bullets as I can, as many cartridges as I can get out there and have fun. Yeah. So no matter what it is, it is a tool. It is no less a tool than a screwdriver or a hammer, or you know, I have lots of friends and family that love doing carpentry for fun. Yep. You know, I don't. I, I like shoot guns. For
0: fun. Yeah, that's right. I do too. In the same way.
1: Right. You know. I mean, I don't want to get go too over the over the top with. With that, but but you know, I do have people that ask me since I build these kind of guns. You know, why would you want one? Why would you build right. one? You don't need one. You know, and the whole thing is, a lot of older hunters and outdoorsmen have come to come at me and, and you know said things like, you know, I've had the same 30 six for you know since nineteen forty-seven and never needed an AR fifteen. You know, and I'm mm-hmm. like, well, hey, a minute. You know, why didn't you get a muzzle loader? Why didn't you get a flintlock? Right. You know, why didn't you get a cap and ball? Uh, it, you know, I've taken probably in the, I don't know, close to 100 deer in my lifetime with um, various types of muzzle loading rifles, everything from an actual flintlock to the cap and ball right. and, you know, right on up to the modern inline muzzle loader. And truth be told, if it was only about going hunting, I can take a 50 caliber inline muzzle loader with a good quality optic on it, and I can kill a deer with that further than you can kill one with a thirty thirty 30
0: Yep. Well, especially with you the know, powders and everything else, the, the, the pellets and everything <laughs> that you can get for those inline muzzle loaders. I mean, they're darn near as good as a rifle in a lot of cases, aren't they?
1: exactly you know and people also come at me these same people and they're like you know that's a military gun well you know what the remington 700 that you're hunting with is a military (laughs)
2: that's a good point
1: (laughs) Marine you know the the m40 is 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 a remington 700 action Mm -hmm. so you know i'm like you know and as go back to the you know uh winchester model 70 which was also a sniper rifle during the vietnam era yes, yes it was it it is based on the mauser action action yeah that mauser action was a military style rifle there's people that hunt with 303s the old lee Enfields. There's i have one of those hunt. i
0: just picked one up yeah,
1: yeah. my dad bless his heart's passed away now this last december i had his first deer rifle and it is a uh, Mark Three Lee Enfield in 303 British in yep. my gun safe. You know, mm-hmm. I have an an old M. I have an M1 Grand, which was you know military. There, there's not a gun sure. period, yeah. that does not have its root base as a military weapon.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. And I mean, that all being said, it's, it's your right in our country to, to do, you know, what you want. I mean, you have the choice and the freedom. I mean, thank God for that, uh, to do, you know, some different things and to, to move into what I wanted to talk about next is hogs. Um, you know, I I've killed hogs with all kinds of different means, uh, you know, short of throwing a rock, you know, out of a blind and, um,
2: the, the thing that I enjoy
0: about guns, Jeff, and I think you agree with me cause you own a lot of them like I do is that it's different ways and means that you can take to challenge yourself and up your game on hunting for, for hogs, for instance, or deer or whatever the case may be. Would you say that?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm a collector on top of being a hunter and an outdoorsman and a shooting enthusiast. Um, and a gunsmith and everything else that I like to do, anything that involves the outdoors hunting gun. I'm also, I, I love the challenge
2: sure. of it,
1: mm-hmm. um, which that means trying to shoot a hog at 750 yards yeah. with my, my I, I've got I've my favorite rifle that I use, I have a 257 Weatherby Magnum, and I've, this gun is tricked out and ready to rock and roll, and, you know, I've literally, you know, made 450-yard shots with this rifle on hogs and on steel targets. I've made out to 600-yard shots if the wind wasn't blowing because um, it is a light projectile um, with this gun, with, you know, with this rifle. Right. So sure. you, you can challenge yourself there. Now I wouldn't ethically take, you know, shoot at a gear or anything at 600 yards with this gun because of the the lightness of the projectile. Right. Um. It does. You know, I shoot 120 grain uh, projectile out of it. So you know, you, kinetic energy at a distance. You know, you gotta gotta be ethical with it. Right. Sure. But then, and I've got my 300 blackouts that you know hundred 150 yards
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, go to 220 grain uh, bullets in that and shorten that distance up you know it hits like a sledgehammer but you're, it's like swinging a pumpkin at something yeah like so, the sledgehammer or something yeah
0: I agree yeah' a slow and fat or slow and slow and hard <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say yeah
1: yeah you know, I have 44 magnum uh, lever action uh, rifles and a 357 magnum lever action. That I hog hunt with because of the challenge, you know, that 357 mag, you're talking, you know, 75 yards or less right. with that almost bow hunting ranges with that. I have pistols, um, my 1911, I've taken so many hogs with that 1911, 45, um, you know, you're talking 20 yard are so shocked. It's open-sided. This doesn't have any optics at all on it. And, uh, you know, last year I killed, uh, I think I killed four or five hogs in, in one day with this forty five. I had a rifle in the stand, but the hogs came in close enough, and I was like, you know, let's try, you know, this is a challenge. So, you know, hog hunting, it opens up because hogs are a nuisance. Let's just face yeah. it. They're like rats and rodents. Right. You know, they are an invasive species. They are a destructive species. They eat the food that our native species would eat. They eat Mm -hmm. snakes and things. And people might say, oh, that's a wonderful thing. It is to an extent. But whenever they. Yeah, to extremes. Yeah. The snakes are a keystone uh, species. And if you get rid of the snakes, the snakes would feed on um, the toads and feed on the mice and feed on the vermin. (sighs) Then those vermin and things like that take over, and there's no natural (laughs) predator for them anymore. So there's lots of harm hogs do. So when we go out and we shoot hogs, and we're talking about eradicating, you know, we may kill a, I may kill 150 hogs a year.
2: Right.
1: Then you're allowed to experiment and go out there with crossbows and recurve bows and bows, and you know, just any kind of anything, spears, and mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I've filled a few hogs with spears and, you know, dogs and and just use a knife, right you know, with dogs pull them up and, yeah. and things like that, you know, and now I, I'm not about wounding any animal and torturing any animal. Yeah, that'd yeah, be it. ethical, right. I'm, I'm against, you know, so I want to dispatch that animal as quickly and as cleanly as possible, but you're still able to do that and still have fun and still... Experiment with sure. new weapon types of things. I mean, I honestly, honestly, I, I want an old flintlock
0: pistol, like a Brown bass like, or something, or no, like a like a, a pistol. Okay, not a rifle. Okay,
1: all right. Just of, like what, like Pirates of the Caribbean, yeah. the old the flintlock pistol, the muzzleloader. Flintlock, I have not yeah. killed a hog with a flintlock pistol. I got that would
0: be cool too.
1: We're, we're talking, you know, probably 12, 10 yards yeah. on this thing, maximum distance.
0: Or you can but get a blunder bus, thing. Jeff. You can get a blunder bus and really reach out there and touch me you know. Yeah. You know you I'm know, just messing with I, you. I
1: really, you know, I'm not beyond anything. Now, the only thing I do, now, honestly, and uh, we may get some slack on this, I, I do not approve of at all is the blowing hogs up with cyanide?
0: Yeah, I don't I don't either. I think that's kind of cruel and unusual. And and that brings me to the warfarin thing, which I wanted to talk to you about, which is kinda of off the books right now, but they're looking at another poisoning way with um sodium nitride. Am I saying that right?
1: Um yeah, sodium nitrate.
0: Yeah, so um a nitrate, yeah. And so it's it's one of those things no, where nitrite nitrite, I'm sorry. The for me.
1: nitrate is fertilizer. Okay. Just okay. like what you can actually make explosives out of it right. and it's also in chicken uh, manure right. but the nitrate is what we put as a food preservative in things like sausage bacon, and bacon and stuff like that right plenty, curing curing you know,
0: aging yeah
1: and it's not poisonous to human beings but it is deadly poisonous to hogs and and to the point that a hog eats it and dies in a very very short, short amount time. of time yeah I heard that. It's not as lethal to non-target species. Warfarin was such a bad idea. I teamed up with the Texas Hog Hunters Association, uh, a couple of good friends of mine over there, uh, and... We sat down and we
0: discussed this at length. I know, and I want to and, put this podcast in their group because that's something I'm. I, I'm kind of buddies with Scott Dover, who who founded that group, and uh, I've met him and we talked a few times. And you know, but just the the reaction that the hog hunting community had towards it that this is not the way. I mean, it was it was like politics, man. It was people that were on one side or the other and vehemently opposed to each other. I mean, it was bad when we dealt with that, you know.
1: Well, it it was so horrible because I got attacked because I was in the forefront and was on every show I could get on talking about warfarin and putting the facts out there. Mm -hmm. I I don't ever talk about something when I'm ignorant of the subject.
0: Oh, sure. Absolutely. I
1: I try to educate myself before I open my mouth. Um, And warfarin was just a bad deal. It had already been tried in Australia, and a tremendous amount of non-target species were killed. Uh, from the use of warfarin, there were secondary, you know, if a hog eats the warfarin and and dies from the warfarin and the coyotes eat the hog and the buzzards eat the hog and the eagles and the hawks and all of these things eat the hog, then they're going to die. All of these things are going to die. And if that hog walks onto my property, and I don't want warfarin on my property, and that hog ate the warfarin and then came to my property and died, well, it's, according to the law they were trying to get passed, the landowner was supposed to be responsible for, you know, recovering and burying hogs. Well then I was gonna have to give my adjoining landowners just free reign to come on my property anytime they it was just a bad deal.
0: Well and it's All just the, way, the, 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 the the way they pushed it through and then the way that, that people reacted to it and everything. And you had a lot of people at our magazine that were for it against it. And I was just more worried like Chester Moore, editor in chief, you know, good friend of you and I both um, you know, he was basically just making the point on his radio show more outdoors about, you know, this, this, the half-life of this, of what eats it after it dies. Because the way nature works is in cycles, obviously. And after something dies, something else comes, a, a turkey buzzard or whatever comes to eat it, it the, you know, it just go, it's a cycle. It just goes on and on and on through nature. And how many other things are we going to kill off? And, you know, so I agree with you I, and I, you and I are very like-minded about that.
1: Well, one of the things when I was speaking with, I actually uh, visited with our uh, Agricultural Commissioner's office uh, at the time. Not him personally, but with people in his office. Uh, I spoke with them at length about it, and I actually even spoke to uh, the governor, actually uh, talked to him personally about it. And I was one of the ones that put... Forth the, you know, sodium nitrite as a possible um, usable control measure. But there needs to be an extensive, independent study done on any poison. Because when you open the door to putting a poison out into the wild, there is huge possible uh,
0: ramifications. I I was just going to say ramifications. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So, you know, we talked about it I'm like, you know, you're, you're talking about probably a four or five year minimum long study. Yeah. Of of this. And I said, the problem that I'm having is is I, I'm not going to take the word of the company that wants to sell me the poison. And think they did an impartial testing yeah. of the su- of the subject matter, and they are going to present us with the findings, and we're supposed to say, "Yeah, absolutely." You know, no, sir. That that doesn't. That that's like no. a restaurant running its own health inspection.
0: Well, a lot, know? yeah, a lot of people that are on the side of people that are that are you know for warfarin or were for warfarin or are for sodium nitrate they say to us hunters that want to go out and handle them the natural way. And, and uh, I've heard a lot of, you know, ag people say barbecue our way out of the situation, if you'll excuse that term. But, um, you know, they say, well, if it's not warfarin, if it's not sodium nitrite, then
1: what is it? You know, and there may not be any poison that you're going to be able to put out there for hawks, but, what people don't understand is, is you know, a lot of times we're not going out there and shooting two or three hogs during deer season. We're hunting hogs year-round. We've yes. got traps out. Like yeah. I said, uh, there's been the last few years, I mean, probably 150, 200 head of hogs. And I'm just one guy right. down here that's doing that. There are dozens of other guys in my area that are getting that many, if not more, hogs. Um, there are the uh, uh, helicopter hog hunts, and I mean, we're talking about people go out and in a matter of a weekend kill three, four, five hundred head right. of hogs off sure. the property.
0: Yeah.
1: The problem we run into is landowners who claim that they are having a problem and claim that the hogs are just destroying their livelihood and everything else don't want us as hunters on their property, or if they do want to allow us on their property, they want to charge us an enormous amount of money to come out there, but they only want you to kill one hog or two hogs. Right? You right. you obviously don't have a problem if you want to charge me an exuberant amount of money and want to limit the number of hogs I can kill. You can't have your cake and eat it, too. You can't say... You know, it's like if you go and hire an exterminator to come into your house because you're overrun with roaches, and you tell the exterminator you can only kill two roaches. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, and you know, I, I've I've brought oh, this up on my on this show before with Chester Moore. That there's a there's a particular ranch I have in mind, and and everybody from Texas Hog Hunters Association's Facebook form uh, Facebook group knows what I'm talking about. Um But I'm not gonna mention any names. If you Google hog hunting in Texas, you will see their Google ads. All right, I'll say that much. But They basically charge you by the pound, green weight, you know, fully dressed or not even dressed, you know, fully fully loaded hog, um, to to clean the dang thing. And I mean, you walk away from what should be a hundred and fifty dollar hunt, and you're paying three, four, five hundred dollars for for a hog hunt. And they advertise that hogs are overrunning Texas. And I'm like, guys, you can't have it both ways. Like you said, you can't eat, have your cake and eat it too. That's not fair. To the to the unsuspecting hunter and and they, they fill their weekends every weekend you know I'm pretty sure with their um with their hunts it ticks me off I,
1: you know I had a guy that just I mean met me uh, I was a tractor supply if I can mention the name I don't mean to yeah, advertise for anybody but after the whole thing had had blown up and everything and I was in there and he was buying a. Five gallon bucket full of rat poison, a certain uh. brand of rat poison, and I was like, "Man, you must have chicken houses." And he said, "No, I got I got a hog problem." And I said, "What are you gonna do with that rat poison?" He said, "Man, you take and mix this five gallon bucket full of rat poison with a couple of hundred pounds of cracked corn uh. and pour it down on the ground." And you can kill every hog on your place. And I'm like, you do know that that's highly illegal. Right? Oh, absolutely.
0: And I mean, also, look at the ramifications for wildlife. I mean, that we talked about that before, but gee whiz.
1: <laughs> well, because of what Sid Millerman did, by putting it out there, warfarin, 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 they put it out there before they tested it, before they did anything with it. And then they turned around and let everybody know that it basically was rat poison. All of a sudden, it's just like you know. Well, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell you that, you know. You can go out here and catch every catfish in East Texas out of this two-acre pond over here that weighs 25 pounds and that's down Farm Road 699, 2.5 miles right. turned to the left.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, but I ain't telling you to go out there and catch any fish. Right. Yep. And that's kind of what they did. So they let everybody and their brother know what they could do to poison these homes. Uh. But now it's illegal. Well, you got 1,500 acres or even 200 acres. Who's out there on your property testing your corn? Nobody. Unless the game warden gets a call that you've killed an illegal animal, they're not coming onto your property harassing you. We've got two game wardens To patrol a county that's, you know, as big as some state, you know, big as Rhode Island. Right. You know, so nobody's going to come on your property without probable cause. And, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like Pandora's box. We may Mm -hmm. have opened it. Yeah. Um, We had one hog just two miles from my home here. Um, The gentleman called me. He shot it in his yard and called me and said, You got to come see this. I've never seen anything like this in my life, and this was last year. And I got to his house, and he had hung the hog up and started skinning it, and it was blue. The fat was oh. blue. The only thing that does that, and that's warfarin.
0: Yeah. Only so
1: somebody been poisoning hogs. Yeah. And you know, I called our game warden and told him what I found and everything. Took pictures of it, and you know, and he's like, you know, I'll, I'll, what do you want me to come do? Basically, yeah, you know how a would game I,
0: animal. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, if it's deer, is another story. That hog, you
1: know. have, that hog could have ate that poison a week ago on a property ten miles from there. Right. True. No way for them to know. So, you know, that's one of the things with hog hunting is. I think here's what I think the state ought to do. I think the state ought to put a bounty on hogs tails ears Ears, whatever whatever they need in order for for you to to turn it in to get your bounty i think they ought to put a five dollar per tail bounty on hogs
0: you could stack them up pretty quick if you're shooting them out of a helicopter or uh you know one of the things i wanted to uh, to to bring up is lone star boars has a youtube channel Todd huey huey outdoors uh give him a shout out um, he he posts a lot in the Texas Hog Hunters Association group, and I'm a part of his. I uh, I watch his YouTube notifications come through. He's always po- you know posting videos, and is starting to do this kind of professionally now. And you know he did a a uh, I think it was up in Lubbock or somewhere in the Panhandle. He did a uh, a hog hunt eradication run with these guys that basically went on four wheelers at night with night vision stuff. And basically, I mean, it was like a helicopter, but it was on ground. They basically went up to the hogs as they were running, and and just shot them. You know, I I don't know the best way to say it, but I don't want to say drive-by style. But basically, as as they're running, shot them on the side. You know, as they're as they're running parallel to them, and it was highly effective. Um, as far as getting getting that done. I'm sorry, say it again.
1: Subsonic 300 blackout with. Uh, suppressors and night vision optics and literally shot an entire sounder of hogs wow 35 40 hogs out of a pasture they did not the, it was such a quiet report of the rifle the bullet hitting the hog was louder than the rifle going and if, off yeah and if you got headshot the hogs didn't squeal Right. the others didn't run
2: and if they did they didn't,
1: know they did, going on. They didn't yeah. run 20 30 yards and they stopped again and you just kept walking up and popping, walking up and popping. And you killed the entire sounder of hogs. Right. And then you just kept walking. You left them there. You didn't mess with them. You left them there. And you kept walking and easing through these fields. And, you know, we've killed just literally in one night 50, 60 hogs in yeah. some places doing this with with suppressors and with uh, subsonic ammunition, right. the way it was quiet. And you know, like I'm saying, if the state would impose a bounty on these
0: things. Yeah. It'd be I worth it, recoup- Yeah.
1: I would invest I could afford to invest in a very nice uh thermal optic.
0: Yeah, which are not cheap. And you know, you say that one of the one of the guys that um that i work with that i got my start in this industry with Mac and prowler uh bill henson and uh, randy mcmillan up in texas arcana they are actually paid a very modest sum to go and eradicate hogs on five ranches that are all connected to each other and so they go out darn near every other night and basically go out there and start whacking pigs with you know suppressors and and you know just quiet quiet guns and um and uh and and ammo and and just uh you know their their whole and they use pulsar night vision and i'm pretty sure and um you know but they they say it's not it's not a lot of money but he said it covers our fuel and it covers our bullets or our pellets or whatever they're using
1: you know just like um if you did so like i said you know minimum you know five bucks a tail or whatever you go out and kill 10 hogs tonight. Well, that's 50 bucks. You at least can recoup the price of your ammunition sure. and your fuel.
0: Yep, exactly. That's what—that's um, the point I was making it. there, Jeff, yeah.
1: But, you know, turn right around, and somebody like me or, or the guys that I know, will if we had a chance to – if I went <laughs> – we all have to, you know, talk to our wives. And if <laughs> Naturally. I go to my wives and I say, I say Sharon – I want to buy this new thermal optic for my AR-15. Now, this thermal optic is going to cost me $2,500. Right. But last year, I killed 150 hogs. And if if the state gives me $5 per head, per tail, per whatever, I shoot these hogs. I can recoup the lion's share of that investment. Right. Because if I get another 150 head this year or more, which if I get this optic, I have the opportunity to double that. Right. And probably pay for this optic and put money in our pockets once this optic is paid for. I'll always have it and I'll be able to just keep stacking them up. Yep. And so, so as hunters, we're going to get out there and it's fun for one. We're going to get out there and have fun. Um, two, we're going to help the landowners. Yep. Uh, three, we're going to be able to buy better equipment and upgrade and blah, blah, blah. And we're going to just keep doing better and doing better and doing right. better. And we're going to keep these hogs. Because what people don't realize, I, I had to draw this out in a wildlife class that I was teaching. One single sow can be the matriarch of about 2,000 pigs in a year's time.
0: Okay, I was going to say through the lifetime, but you're right, because they, they basically breed like rabbits. I mean, that goes without saying. We talked about well, that on the show before.
1: One one hog will have, I, I've seen litters as big as 19 piglets living in in a litter. From a wild
2: hog, <laughs> oh, uh, golly.
1: and that's going to be about a that's going to be about a fifty fifty. But your average litter, you're looking at about twelve piglets, right? So fifty fifty, that's six. So mm-hmm. she has six at six months of age, right? Then the the six females that she just had, six, 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 mm-hmm. six, mm-hmm. all the way down, and you start pyramiding.
0: That. It's like compound and interest in here, the bank, kind of. You know, one thing was like a snowball here, effect, if you will. Yeah.
1: And at, at some point in time, and not the first year, but at some point in time, in a one-year span, her and her offspring will give birth to over 2,000
2: pigs.
0: God. Hey, I never did the math like me, that.
1: That's one style, right? That's one style,
0: and they all breed. Yeah, that's exactly. Well, and the other thing I wanted to talk about before we run out of time is, um, is just that that you know hunting them and just upping your game and your challenge to yourself and playing the game to win. You know, to up to up your game to to hunt them. But um, you know, also, I I don't think that. Um that hunting is, you know, I, I, I just, I think more people should get involved with hunting. The one thing that we have issues with is something you talked about before the show is that landowners. And we talk about this a lot on Texas, uh, Texas Hog Hunters Association group. Um, it's, it's been brought up before. Why don't landowners let you go out for free? Well, the main reason is liability. They don't want you getting hurt and suing them on their land, Uh, so they need. But you can't have your cake and eat it too. Like I say, with offering, you know, hey, I'm overrun with hogs, but you got to pay hundred, you know, three hundred dollars to shoot one. You know, that's not that's not a good plan.
1: I had a landowner recently contact me, and he said, "Man, he said, I bought a brand new tractor, and I just did fifteen hundred dollars worth of repair work to my tractor and my hay baler." Because the hogs had rooted it up, and I drove my tractor into this ravine that the hogs rooted, in, and the rains washed it. Oh blah, blah, blah. no! And I was like, "Oh my goodness!" Uh, you know. And he's like, "Can you help me? Can you come kill some hogs?" Right. And I, yes, yeah, sir, I can come kill some hogs on your place. He said, "What will you charge me?" And I said, "Well, I know." that you don't allow anybody to deer hunt on your property. Right. Cause you got cows. I said, what if I come out there and I get these hogs for you? And if you're pleased with what I do with these hogs, you let me come out there and do some low hunting on your place. Right. Which well, shouldn't bother it's the cows even, at all. Not, right. not even stone hunting. Right. 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 You're hunting on your place. And he said, you know what, son? He said, I don't think I'd have a problem with you coming out here and, and doing that. So, I went and traded this landowner, me going out there for weeks and weeks and weeks, putting out hundreds of dollars worth of corn, True. traps, yeah. hunting, bullets, all this thing, all these things, and all I'm getting out of it is next deer season, I'm going to get to go out there and put me up a stand, right. try me some scrapes and some rubs, and put up a stand with the possibility, especially here where I'm from, where bow hunting is a very low percentage. Right. Uh, hunt. I may get to see a deer. I may get a shot at an old doe or something like that. Probably not going to kill anything worth killing, but I'm going to sure. get to go enjoy hunting. Yeah. Turn right around, and I also had a guy that contacted me around that same time that said, hey, I I, I know you write for Texas Fishing Game. He said, why don't you uh come out here and go on a hog hunt on my place? I am eat up with hogs. I mean, they are just tearing my place to pieces. Won't you come out here and hunt, and then and then write a story about it or whatever? And I said, well, yeah. I said I'll come out there and kill you hogs for you. How many hogs you uh, you know you got out there? Oh, we just tore up with them. I said, well, uh, I'll come out there and run about a two week trap line and uh, hunt and everything else, and I'll see how many I can kill. Oh no 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 no! I want you to come out here. You you can kill two hogs, mm-hmm. one trophy hog and one meat hog. And that's all you can kill. And yeah. I said, well, wait a minute, Mr. And so I thought you just told me you had a problem and these hogs were tearing your place to pieces. Well, I do, but but I get, uh, you know, $250 a day for somebody to come yeah. out here and hunt these hogs.
0: And you're not going to shoot your way out of that situation, 200s at a time, unless they're killing mass numbers. And you and I both know
1: that. And, and. I just it just blows my mind that, that the same people that claim to be in dire straits with these hogs. They're tearing their crop fields up. They're uprooting their freshly planted seeds. They're they're just destroying everything that they've got, hay meadows and everything else, but they don't want you on their place. Now I'm not talking about a bunch of drunks coming out there drinking beer and shooting the countryside up. I'm talking about reputable people that can get you uh, references that you can contact, you can call and talk to them and everything else. You know, reputable operations that can come out there and come to your place but they don't want you on there. So in my my answer to them is when they do that is
0: then apparently you don't have a problem, right? You don't have a hog problem, then obviously no, and then, that's exactly right, Jeff. It, it ticks me off that you know it's just you can't have it both ways. You know you can't just limit your your hog hunts and then charge good money for them and do the trophy hog and a and a meat hog and, and you know again this is and I, I work with a high fence ranch. I do PR marketing for uh, for a high fence ranch that does hog hunts, but and we get a lot of hog hunters that come through there the hunts are 150 bucks but it's a high fence place and you know, it's one of those things where it's. I don't feel that we're dishonoring anything or anybody because, in a way, we're helping with the with the with the solution to you know taking the hogs out. But we don't charge a mint for them either. You're not going to get a nine hundred dollar hog hunt, you know, uh, like you will from some of these places. After you get done skinning your game, I'm sorry, they get done skinning your game and quartering it up for you and put it in your ice chest because that's a rip off and, and for the, so companies like that and ranches to say, well, I'll do this, that, and the other. And I'll, you know, I'll go out and, and and skin your hogs and everything, and you gotta pay two dollars a pound is a rip-off, in my humble opinion. And that's not the solution to the problem.
1: That's my humble opinion, though. I was actually asked to leave a ranch a few years ago because they uh were charging to uh skin the hogs and quarter the hogs and everything. Because I told all the guys that were we were down there with that I'd skin all their hogs and quarter them for them for free if they didn't want to do it. Um, Some of of these people were elderly uh, hunters. Some of them were uh, veterans uh, that I respected, uh, brothers in arms. And some of them were uh, ladies that were there. And I said, you know know what? I said, I'm probably one of the best hog skinners there is in East Texas. I said, "Uh, I can skin a hog and just matter of minutes you don't know, have a quartered up and put in ice chips and um, they all were like well yeah thank you well after it was all said and done whenever we were leaving shaking hands the owner of the ranch uh basically told me he didn't want me back on his uh-huh. place because i had uh taken money away from him out of his and, pocket yeah for, for skinning the hogs And I basically turned around and said, well, I mean, you were ripping people off in the first place, charging them the amount you were charging them. I don't don't mind paying somebody if they're going to skin the hog.
0: Yeah, but don't rip them (laughs) off. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I mean, we do the same thing at the ranch. A lot of people don't even want to touch the things after they shoot them, and that's great. But don't rip people off. And that's what ticks me off about these ranches that do this because, you, you know, you end up paying way more than your hog is really worth in Texas, you know, or elsewhere. Exactly,
1: you know uh, One of the best places I hunted Was out in Sabinal, Texas And uh, One of my, uh, the owner of the ranch I got to know him a little bit And was invited out there uh, To come and bow hunt It's a bow hunting only ranch, no rifles Allowed on the place And I went out there and, And it was, for a hog hunt It was like 150 bucks for the weekend This has been a lot of years ago Yeah, um and you could use the bunkhouse, had to bring your own bedding and your own food. Mm-hmm. But they had a bunkhouse with heating and air conditioning and every TV, everything in it. And we went out there, and it was a high-fenced operation. This man had 10,000 acres. Wow. And at, until this point in time, I had been a – the reason I got to go hunt there, is I was against high-fencing. Uh, I'd never hunted on a high fence ranch, but, boy, I was against high-fencing, and I was writing about it and really ripping into – uh, landowners that had high fence and people that hunted on high fence operations, and this guy basically said, "You know what? Come out here and hunt on my place, and then tell me what tell me what you think afterwards." Mm-hmm. So I accepted. I went out there, and literally I could have walked for two days in any direction and not found the fence. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, of course, there were roads that went by the fences. But literally, if you got dropped off in the middle of this ranch, you would never find a thing. Right, right. You'd these, be walking these, for days. These, yeah. these deer and hogs and javelina were just as wild on this place as they were on the low fence place next door to it.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: And we I actually had a 300 acre uh, lease that was about 10 miles down the road from it that a friend of of mine and I hunted on for quite a few years there. So I knew how the deer and hogs acted on our open-fenced 300 acres. Right. So I went and hunted there, and I killed a couple of hogs, and the the place was excellent, courteous. They treated you like a member of their family. Big, huge pond, whenever you were through. uh, If you kill both your hogs or whatever in one day, you could fish the next two days in the pond. Right. And they ate ten pound bass in this this big, and it was like a ten acre pond wow. in like a small lake. Mm. But what I'm saying, this place, the guy was doing it right, and as far as a uh, high fence operation, it really changed my mind. Yeah. Now I'm totally against these other places. I, I went to another place that uh, had forty acres under a high fence. And there's just no way on earth that a deer can get away from you. Know, yeah, Forty it's acres, like a zoo. Yeah, right. I get that. You know, so I was totally against that place. But when you've got thousands of acres, those animals inside of that place, if you manage it properly, they have no idea they're they're inside
0: of right. That right now and that's true I mean the ranch I work for so densely wooded I mean you basically was dropped in the middle and you can't find a fence. I mean it's one of those things and it, it takes a while to to, to to get your bearings because it's so thickly wooded and um, and I've been lost on there before because you know not really hopelessly lost but I mean it's just it's really wooded and it's easy to get turned around. But I mean, you know, I, I'm not against high fence operations for a lot of reasons, but I mean, that's the way look at South Texas. I mean, that's completely starting to all go high fence, you know, not all of it, but it's, uh, it's certainly going that way. But, um, you know, anyway, it's, it's just, there are people that do it the right way and the wrong way. And I think the way you and I have talked about, you know, we've talked about both of the differences before about both. And I think that's educated folks.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I I like to use my property that I have here in Camola County as an example. I have been managing this property for over 20 years. I have used my own uh, brand of management on this property. It's totally Mm -hmm. low fence. Mm -hmm. Um, No no fence, actually. There's There's not even a barbed wire fence running around it in a lot of places. So I've killed 150-inch deer. There's been about three 150-inch uh, deer that I've killed off of this place. A wow. uh, couple, of, couple of 140s, um, lots. If you kill a – I put it like this. If you see 120-inch deer on this place, you better be pulling
0: three. You better shoot it, yeah.
1: Um, yeah, this Panola County, you know, northeast Texas, there's just not – Huge. I mean, there are a few old bucks here, but most of the time they're not. But what got what gets me is I've got people all around me that operate on the premise of if it's brown, it's down, right?
2: Yep.
1: kind of, kind of thing. Um, I have literally sat on my stand, and, and I don't hunt fence lines. My neighbors they, they like to stack their stands up on my fence lines.
2: <laughs>
1: I, I never hunt a, a fence line, knowing that, you know, I'm going to shoot a deer on a neighbor's property. Right, But, you know, these people, I've watched little bucks, little eight-point bucks that are two years old come by with a 14-inch rack,
2: mm-hmm. and we
1: have the 13-inch rule right. here in Pennsylvania. So, I've watched this deer, and I watch him every single day. He comes out and eats and does his thing let him go, because, you know, a couple of years,
2: That'd he's going nice to be a good one. one. Yeah.
1: And I don't begrudge anybody killing whatever they want to kill for, for meat or for whatever. I don't really do that. But the thing that kills me is this little deer that I've been letting go, and he heads toward the property line, and he's gone from my stand for 15 minutes, and then you hear boom. Well, yeah. he doesn't show up anymore. Yeah, he's gone. Well, two weeks later, you're back there hunting, and there's a spike that walks out, and with you know, we've got our spike rule, you know, which I totally disagree with. Because, you know, if I if I'm gonna kill a a buck, I put it like this, if you're gonna kill an illegal buck or, or a buck that's whatever, uh, legal but has whatever, a why should I have to let a year and a half old four point go but I can kill a year and a half old spike because right. there's still that in five years, could be trophy bucks. The, 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 the once a spike, always a spike rule has been blown out of the water for decades. Right. Yeah. No,
0: that's and,
1: true. You know, and, and even letting us kill uh, nubbin bucks as antlerless yeah. deer. Right. you are still killing a buck. That could be whatever. But I watch these little deer walk by, and the, uh, the neighbors are killing them. And whenever I think about that, you know, I'm like, "Well, if I had the money, I'd put a high fence up, yeah to stop the simple that. fact, I spend literally thousands of dollars a year in cedars feed don't I don't just put a sack of corn out and you know try to bring in a couple of those. right you know I, I'm feeding protein yeah. I'm feeding uh things that these deer need mineral blocks uh I have like right now, we have water troughs Yep, on the yep. that you know we go in there with those big totes that you can buy um, that had paint and things like yeah, that And sure. them. we buy the ones that had uh, like vegetable oil and things in them. They hold five hundred gallons of water. Wow! And we'll put, we'll put seven or eight of those on a sixteen foot trailer and fill them all up with water. And we'll go down and during drought times, and we'll fill up those cont- those uh, troughs ah, so down water. there
0: sure yeah I get that
1: yeah my mm-hmm. neighbors aren't doing any of that my my neighbors uh, they go out at you know a week before season and pour a sack of corn on the ground yeah, and it's done yeah. back up it and, and hunt over it. Right. And, and they're reaping the rewards
0: of my game right. management and you're, you're managing it the right way yeah it's not really fair for
1: sure so um, exactly. So whenever whenever people talk to me about uh, high fence, I have a totally different view of high fence today than I had fifteen years ago. Sure, I get that. Yeah, I get that for sure. I, I have evolved, and as hunters, we have to evolve. We can't stay stagnant on our views. Yes. Um. And I know you've noticed uh, probably as much as I have. You can't go onto a a hunting website, a hunting forum, uh, web page, anything, and and show a picture. Because the minute you show a picture, somebody's putting you down for what you killed.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, it. it's
1: gotten bad, Yep. You can't do anything that there's not somebody. You know, I look at it like this. If I see somebody post a picture and it's a deer that I wouldn't have killed, I keep my mouth shut. Mm-hmm. Unless they did something illegal. Right. Now, if they did something illegal, of course I'm going to say something, or unethical. But if, if somebody went out there and killed a deer, legally harvested it on his property, on whatever, you know, it's totally legal in the area that they hunt in, and this, all of a sudden, the other, I don't begrudge them that. Just don't shoot it on my property. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? don't shoot over my fence and then drag it home. But if it's on your property, I don't have the right to say a word as long as it's legal. Right. I agree with you. They, they just, I mean, I've even seen them go after little kids on these uh, sites. And I try to tell them, you know, one day I was like, you know, guys, we have enough problems with the anti-hunting community, PETA, whatever, you know, who will uh, Just so many antis out there coming at us. We can't afford to do this. And, and I wrote an article for uh, Texas Fishing Game, one of the first articles I wrote, and it was called United We Fall.
0: Yeah, I remember that one. And
1: yeah. that was what it was about. Right. You know, and we're all hunters. But boy, we, we are we will turn on each other in a heartbeat yep. and we will run each other into the dirt and we'll tell each other, Oh, you hunt with you're not a real hunter because you hunt with a gun that'll shoot six hundred yards. Right. I hunt with a I hunt with a thirty thirty or you hunt with a with a crossbow, so you're not a true bow hunter or you hunt with a compound and you use sights, that's right. not skill
0: as training wheels you know, as they say, yeah.
1: All, yeah, I mean, I get that all the time. And, you know, her heart, we have to keep policing ourselves. Yeah. We, we don't need to stop doing that.
0: I agree. But, Can't we all just get along?
1: <laughs> it, well, it's just the fact that there's a, a tactful way to say, you know, buddy, that's a great deer. That, that's a really great deer, and I am very proud of you. But now that you've got that four-pointer, Next year, are you going after a six or an eight? Are you going to keep trying to get better? Right. You know? Or man what? Or are, are, are you just after meat? Yeah. Well, if the guy says, I don't care about horns, I'm just after meat, then I'm going to shut up. I'm not going to belittle him or berate him. You're not going to engage. You know. I'm going to try to constructively give some advice. But if they're not receptive to it, I'm going to leave it alone. I'm not going to start a Facebook war you know, keyboard commando type, right. you know, let me let me strap my keyboard on over here. Kind of funny, Yeah, that's you right. know, I, I just and I'm as guilty as anybody in my younger days. Sure. I didn't care if a deer was eighteen months, two and a half years, five years old. I didn't care. I didn't look if it was a legal deer. I put a bullet through his pump house. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's that's a good point. But I grew and I matured and I learned. Right. And that's what we've all got to do. And we've got to allow our fellow hunters, unless it's just something just blatantly unethical or illegal, but we've got to allow our young hunters to be guided and and, and influenced by positive reinforcement. Yep, I agree wholeheartedly. They're stupid and they're idiots and they're mourns. Well, guess what? That kid's probably never going to come back to that.
0: Yeah. Website, he's not going go to Or back to Yeah. This experience like that almost stopped me from hunting when I was just starting out in my early 20s. And, you know, I'll never forget that. And,. You know, it's, it's just one of those things. And we're about in an hour, Jeff, so I think we better wrap it up. Okay. Um, you've been great, great an awesome guest. and awesome guests. And this is this is a great thing to wrap up on because my whole thing about the outdoors is that already there's a decline in hunting, you know, year over year. And it's it's one of those things where we need to unite and take care of each other and support each other and unite together as a, as a group of hunters. And that's something I know you and I very much agree on.
1: Very much so. Adamantly.
0: No, I think that's great. Uh, tell people how they can find you, or uh, and, and about your knives as well, please.
1: Oh man, I can be found on Facebook uh, and uh, Instagram, uh, Jeff Crypto Hulk Stewart. I love that. Um, at uh, FishGame dot you can look around there and find my blogs and things. Mm-hmm. Um, good gosh! And uh, my knives can be found on Facebook at Alpha Dog Blades. Alpha Dog Blades. Okay, cool. And I can... I build everything from uh, Viking battle axes, authentic Viking battle axes, uh, Bowie knives, skinning knives, daggers, kitchen knives. I, I, one of my biggest sellers are uh, chef's knives. Cool. That I make out of W6 uh, tool steel. hmm And the uh, little uh, 1095, uh, just a lot of reclaimed uh spring uh, steel from uh all kinds of trucks and cars if it's if it's high carbon spring steel i'm i'm reclaiming it i go to old sawmills that are abandoned and uh buy the the blades from the from the uh sawmills that no longer run and blades that are busted and broke. And I bring those back and I have got some saw blades that if you get a knife from me, the knife steel is well over a hundred years old. Wow. That's incredible.
0: That's incredible. I have a
1: Ford and I have have a a 200 year old anvil.
2: Wow. That,
1: uh, picked up, uh, from a, from a relative that just had it laying around as a ornament in the flower garden. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, the, this anvil uh, came from uh, England over 200 years ago. Oh, that's so, amazing.
0: Um,
1: and I've built my own forge and propane forge, and I bang steel and make knives and hammers. And like I said, Viking battle axes. I'm, I'm finishing one of those up uh, right now. I got the uh, handle and stuff uh, mounted in pins, and it's all epoxy right now. That's awesome. So,
0: that is awesome. Well, thanks so much, Jeff. It was a very spirited conversation. You and I are very like-minded about these issues, and I'm just so happy to have you back on the show, man.
1: It was my pleasure. I, as usual, I enjoy talking to you. just doesn't matter if it's on the show or just us talking. <laughs> oh,
0: I appreciate it, man. Thanks so much. And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jeff Stewart. From Texas Fish and Game, fishgame.com, as well as uh, our blog and as well as uh, Alpha Dog Knives and just uh, our Alpha Dog Blades, I should say. Anyway, really great guy. Uh, enjoy having him on and, um, just look forward to, cause man, after we got done recording this one, we just talked for like another 30 minutes. I mean, we get see him and I hit it off and we just, we just go for it. So him and I both like to talk a lot. So, um, anyway, thank you guys so much again for watching, reading, and listening. Please subscribe to our newsletters as I talked to at the beginning of the show. Um, they are free to get every three days a week. Um, so you get uh, tactical and practical Tuesday, you get wildlife Wednesday and you get Thursday, the Texas state of the outdoor nation and those all delivered to your email box i gave you a sign up and i think the sidebar uh, fishgame.com has uh, the sign up link where you can sign up for the newsletters it's free doesn't cost you anything and it's a great way to stay plugged into our content many of you guys already do that and i thank you guys for doing that and i just want to personally say guys i've been banging out some stuff on facebook lately some um some videos that i've been doing just just on the spot uh you know facebook live style videos uh, that I've been doing, and I'm I'm really trying to bring to you guys the uh, inspiration and the hopefulness of uh, of what we do in the Texas Outdoor Lifestyle, the Outdoor Success Guy, and uh, I just hope you guys see that. I, I talked about last summer. I remember this episode I did still uh, about a year ago, uh, where I talked about Rick Warren. He's the author of the Purpose Driven Life, which is a fantastic Christian book. Um, but he one of his famous quotes is the purpose of influence is to help those who have none and that stuck with me and still sticks with me today because one of the things that i try to do in my work in the outdoors is be a conservationist and make sure that that what we have is preserved for our future hunting and fishing generations and outdoorsmen and women but uh, also you know i'm here to advocate for anybody that uh that needs advocating you know when it comes to um to the outdoors to the texas outdoor lifestyle for helping you be successful in the outdoors whatever the case may be i'm, I'm an open book when it comes to helping with that so uh, if you have a desire to do anything crazy in the outdoors like um uh you know gain a pro staff position or uh you know any kind of success based stuff i will help you with that personally and uh you can reach out to me at uh Dustin'sProjects.com, projects.com which is my personal Website has a, kind of a hub of all of my stuff I do and uh, really look forward to, to connecting with some of you guys if you like The podcast please uh, leave a five star Rating on iTunes that would be a huge deal For us um, if you Want to even stop the player right now your Podcast player wherever you listen to this and uh, And you rate the show that would mean the World to me because that helps more people find The show and, and of course we're a Texas based Show because we're based in Texas fishing game but we're, we're really all over the place People from all over the world listen and and it's just kind of funny, you know, that uh, some of the stuff that I that I speak about, wild hog poisoning and all this other stuff, with the big debate and stuff like that, gets out as far as it does. But uh, it's it certainly, you know, bends the world ear. It bends the world's ear, I should say, um, when it comes to that kind of stuff. And I just I think it's cool. So um i just uh really appreciate you guys if y'all leave us a positive five star rating on stitcher or on google google uh uh podcast or apple podcast or itunes wherever you found the show leave us a review pod beans another place leave us a comment contact me on social media my last name is spelled w-a-r-n-c-k-e my facebook profile is public so you can easily reach out to me even if we're not friends you can friend request me i will accept and uh, we will talk that way and I've, I've connected with a whole bunch of you guys like that man and it just really 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 makes my socks that go up and down that you guys care about the show and care about me and care about what we're doing in the texas outdoor nation and everything we've got going on here so anyway thank you guys again i know i say this a lot thank you guys again for watching reading and listening have an awesome day in the outdoors we'll see you next time